0: they're taking your seat if you if you wanna find the first scripture it's in Romans 8 just keep your finger there we'll be back to it in a little bit I was thinking as I was preparing for this about a discussion I had with a young man a young man who didn't grow up godly a young man who was struggling with giving his life to Christ because he knew who he was. And he knew what was in his background. And part of that discussion went to someone in their family who had recently passed away. And on their deathbed, after I think 60-some years of living ungodly, in about any way you can think, and then giving their life to Christ at the last moment. And he's having a difficult time seeing them in heaven, seeing that that was right. Because he saw other people who were living a life for Christ all of their life, and he couldn't imagine the two being in the same place. So we had some discussion about God's grace, and I was reminded in that last song, we we were singing about God's overwhelming never-ending reckless love have you experienced that it's it's really hard to get our minds around right i mean in, in our in our natural it just doesn't seem like that ought to be what what we get what we deserve and yes it is that's where we are i've been reading through the old testament as most of you know and particularly reading recently about God's people, um, Israel. They were his chosen people, and they certainly had their what I'll call ups and downs uh, spiritually as a nation. And I was thinking about that and also thinking about some of the messages we've heard recently and some of the experiences I've had. And, you know, our Christian lives can also be characterized by those times where we have what I'll call highs or, if you will, you know, a closeness, a a, a a feeling of acceptance by God, and then some lows. Where I, mostly, as I think back at those times, for me, it, it's kind of like the cares of this world, that, you know, and the deceitfulness of riches and <laughs> things to do and things to do and things to do. You know, our pursuits uh, they cause us to take to not take time to maintain our closeness to God now these things really as I'm sure you may have experienced aren't necessarily ungodly things you know extracurricular activities grandkids great grandkids playing ball whatever and (laughs) it just means something to them when you walk in you know and and you want to see them playing but you know you can go to about three games a night if you're not careful and about Two innings is about all I really need, if you know what I mean, and and then we, you know, we we look at family time, and <laughs> I've got three young guys who they think if they're with Grandpa, they ought to go fishing, and and you know, and it takes quite a bit of time to get there, and about 15 minutes we're done, unless we're catching fish, and. You know, it's, it's, it's those kind of things. It might be pain in your life. It, you know, sometimes it's other people, you know. People can drain you. People can take you away from things like that. And so I was thinking about these relationships and this discussion I had with this young man. And I was thinking back at the time. Now, some of you are already there still. But most of us, think back to your school days, and you have those real close friends, and I was talking to one of the grandkids about this, and they said, I know, you tell me I'm not, you know, that I may never see that person again, but we're close, we're, we're, we're going to see each other, you know, we're, we're going to keep the relationship going. Some of you have been away from that for a while, how's that working? <laughs> we think we're going to do it, but we don't get it done lots of times. And, you know, it, it might be work, people at work and think about that when you no longer see them and you're no longer talking to them and interacting with them what happens? our relationship just kind of fades doesn't it? and you know it's, it's a lot like that with God and, and I, I think as, as we think about you know, this fading or this uh, I don't, don't want to call it necessarily dying but You know this relationship. You know it, it isn't that we are trying to turn from that person and be away from that person or be away from God. It's it's more that we're just not having contact with them, and that relationship fades. And you know, as I think about our our time with our heavenly Father, it can you know if we don't spend the time, then it'll fade. And <laughs> the only problem with that is there's one huge difference in that. When, when fellowship and, and relationship with people fades, yeah, we miss that closeness, and, and, but it doesn't have a great consequence necessarily. But when your relationship with your Heavenly Father fades, consequences occur. You know, if... Uh, as we drift, and as we get away from God, our own nature becomes more, and, and I'm talking about the flesh, I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the natural things, they, they become more prevalent in our life, don't they? And, and as, as we get closer to God, it's, you know, it, it's His God and His Holy Spirit that brings us there. So let's go to Romans 8. I want to I want to take us to a scripture, um, and I don't know why, but I think this is about the third time in a row I've heard something about Romans 8, so um, maybe that's where God has us. This is one of the discussions I had with this young man. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what we talked about, and God's grace. And we know that to be true, but... And you and I, and our relationship, and us keeping that close to God, we need to read the rest of the verse. What's that say? To those who are where? In Christ Jesus. Now, yeah, you know, we can can make a decision, we can be born again, but we need to live in Christ Jesus. We need to live with the power of the Holy Spirit being active in us. And then it says... And who do not walk according to the flesh? And if that relationship, if there's a, 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 a space developing in there, then if we're not careful, we'll be following the things of the flesh. And we'll be backing away from what God wants us to do. And he said there was no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, first of all, and who do not walk according to the flesh, but they have to walk according to what? To the Spirit, and and I don't want to say there's conditions for us to be saved, but there's conditions for us to live a godly life. And 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 we need to be careful that we're looking at those conditions because we need to live according to the Spirit and not to, lie, to according to flesh. Now, I was thinking and and wondering about that. It says according to the law of the Spirit. The law of the spirit of life is Christ Jesus. And it's, a, you know, it's, it's his system, his spirit working in us. And as we go through life and, and go through daily activities, he wants to be a part of what we're doing. And he wants to be a part of us you know, carrying out us being guided by him as we go from, from activity to activity. And and you know, to me, that's, you know, that's pretty important. But... I want to get down to verse 13. And again, I know you've heard this recently here, but I think as we look at verse 13, Paul lays out two directions of life, and and he shows that there's ultimately consequences. So we have, as Christians, born-again Christians, we have to choose to do what is characteristic of Christians. We have to make that choice. And if... If you've had some of the experience that I've had, you know, everybody's a Christian, right? They'll tell you. Yeah. But are they following the things of the flesh or are they following the things of God, the things of the Spirit of God? And so Paul says in verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will, you will die. Now, who's he talking to? The world? No. He's talking to Christians, isn't he? And he's saying that our relationship to God can do what? It can die if we don't keep it vibrant. Now, I know it's only by the grace of God we get there. But there is a closeness. There is a relationship that's important for us. And that's what this young man was seeing in people's lives and not seeing in people's lives. And he was having a difficulty with But he says, if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will what? You will live. Now you can handle that as you like, but I want to suggest to you that there are those who at one point had an experience of being born again who are living if you will, a distance from God, and I trust that, you know, when their time of judgment comes, it won't be that God will say, I don't know you. He wants to know us. He wants to be intimate with us. He wants, he wants us to listen to the Spirit within us and, and, and His Spirit and make sure that we're following what He says. Now, I was thinking about this, and I want to. I want to read you a couple things that that I as I was uh, looking this up on some commentary. It says, "Our growth in holiness, or if you will, closeness to God, and we, you know, we start as babes, but we can grow." As as you know, yes, babes are going to go to heaven, but I, I would say to you again that faith on, faith on the cross, he said, would be in paradise, but. As you and I, we live in this life, then we have a responsibility to grow, I believe, in holiness. And, and it says this is a process in which we actively put to death the sins in our hearts and mind. God tells us that our hearts are, how, are what? Wicked, doesn't they? They're wicked. And, and his word, his spirit, put to death that wickedness, and allow us to become people who are, who are holy and close to Him. Yet, in spite of the fact that we are actively putting forth effort, God, Paul reminds us that it is only by the Spirit. <laughs> and I'm always amazed at those who who've put lots of effort to, to live, I'll put that in quotes, godly, Make an effort to look like they're living godly, but aren't letting God do that through them. And it isn't long till you see the difference. You see that they're not getting to be not being led by the Spirit. So, in other words, we can succeed in putting to death only by God's work in us by the Holy Spirit. It's His power that does it. This being led by the Spirit of God involves progressively putting to death the sinful appetites of our lower nature. So I want to I uh, move from that to uh, one other thing <laughs> that came out in this discussion. And he asked, you know, how's come I see people who are say that they're led by God's Spirit who do weird things. You never saw that, right? And I think it's critical for us, and you've heard time and time again from up here, how important it is for us to know what the Word says. And there are times... <laughs> We sing a song about walking out on the water, you know, taking us to places we've never been, yes. But you better make sure that's a place where God is, or you're going to drown. And, and I, I think it's critical for us to realize that if, if we're going to be people, you know, who, who are being led by the Spirit, we need to make sure that we know the Spirit's voice and know what He wants us to do, and... The only guide that I have for that is the Word of God. You know, is it something that's there? And if it is, let's go for it. And it may be something I've never done before. <laughs> and I may feel like I'm walking on water. I was talking to one dear soul who was in a situation with family at home. And, and, they're, and they're, she said, I feel like I'm, I'm out there on the water. And I'm scared to death I'm going to drown. When Peter was out on the water... What did he do? As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked. So what's the word of God say if you're walking on water? You better look at who you're looking at. You better keep your focus on him. And I think that's really critical. I want to... So this thing of relationship to me is, you know, is very critical. And I think in this day and age, we have a a lot of Christians, uh, quotes. Without relationship, and certainly not a close relationship with God's Holy Spirit. I'd like to go to Psalms 34. So, in in Psalms 34, David is at a time in his life where he's being pursued by Saul. And in that pursuit, he's chasing him from cave to cave. And he has all the manpower. And David is not trusting in flesh. He's trusting in God. And in the midst of that, Let's see what he, how he handled that. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Have you ever tried that? There are times it's hard to praise the Lord. But there's never a time that we shouldn't try to praise the Lord. It's a sacrifice to praise sometimes. So here he is being pursued by Saul and all these men. And he says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. So here he is out there, Saul after him, and he's saying, I'm going to praise the Lord. Verse 4, very critical for us to realize if we're seeking the Lord, he's going to do what? He's going to hear us. He said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from what? all my fears when you're being pursued you ever been fearful one of the first things we need to, to be delivered from is fear isn't it we need to realize who we're trusting in and, and, and just as David said I, I need to be delivered from my fear I want to go down to verse 6 in verse 6 he said a poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and he saved him from what? His trouble. So it's, it's important to get our fears, him saving us from our fears, and then we'll have a chance to will be saved from trouble. And then verse 8, let's go over there. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't think that'll work. I had someone say, I, you know, what good's that going to do? You want, you, you, know, you want me to give my life to God? What's that going to do? How good, what, what's going to happen? What's going to change? Well, <laughs> I think David has the answer here. He says, taste and see what? That the Lord's good. Give it a try. What's wrong with that? You ever gone to a smorgasbord and they got all this, it's supposed to be food, but sometimes just look like stuff all laid out there. And you think, do I want to try that or not? What do you do? If you really want to try it, you just take a little bit and taste it, don't you? Well, we're challenged by David to taste and see that the Lord's good. The Lord is good. He wants us to realize that he's good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And and, and, and you and I, I'm thinking of situations where people who I would say are People who trust in God most of the time when they get in the middle of most difficult things, what do they do? They trust what the doctor says. They trust what their friend said. Well, I knew Jane, and she did this, and she did this, and that's how she got out. God says we need to trust. When we get in the midst of our trouble, we need to trust who? Trust in the Lord. Verse 17, I think this is your answer. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. The Lord hears us. Praying on Wednesday night is not an exercise in futility. It's not, it, it's not a vain exercise. God hears us when we pray. He hears us on Monday, or Sunday morning. Yeah, He'll hear you on Monday morning. He'll hear you when you pray. And even better than that, it does, He does what else, and He'll deliver them out of what? all their troubles all their troubles. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. So God's interested in, and when we, we, we look at spiritual warfare and, and the enemy coming in and, and, and doing things, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in a, in a warfare more than I want to be recently and some of it I really probably shouldn't say this but has to do with my mom. And as most of you know, she's 96 and she struggles sometimes. And it's amazing to me that I can go over one day and she's the mom I knew. And I can go over today and I have no idea who this woman is. And 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 she just was today was babbling on and on about certain things and and yet, what I've noticed is, when I got to the car, I thought, God, what's going on here? And I was reminded, I think, by the Spirit of God, that she lives in a place full of spirits, many of which are unclean. Many of which, you know, the spirit of Alzheimer's in that place. The spirit of dementia is in that place. The spirit of confusion is in that place. And we just bound that. Now, I haven't been back to see her since. But when I did that the last time I went in the next day, she was a new woman. We're in a spiritual warfare. It, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a natural thing that's happened to us. It's a spiritual thing. And we need to realize that God wants us. He wants us to be people who battle, 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 battle. I want to go to 1 Tim, or 2 Timothy 3.0. A moment with you. Second Timothy 3.10 Paul obviously talking to young Timothy and talking about the perilous times and all the things that are going to be happening and, and what, what's going to be there before him But in verse 10, he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. Where is that doctrine? It's in here, right? And you and I need to carefully follow what it says. My doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions, my afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch. Paul's saying what? Life happens. We... We need to realize that we're going to be in a battle. But in that battle, (laughs) he said, Out of them all, the Lord did what? Delivered me out of all of those things. And he's going to deliver us out of all of those things if we'll be people who will battle with him. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors or seducers will grow worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. And they're not people with horns. They're people that we trust sometimes. And we need to be aware of that. They don't all have horns. You... But you must, but you must, but you must continue in things which you have learned and have, have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. In, the, in this church, we have Bible teachers, and, and, and we, need, we need to realize what the Bible says, and we need to follow what it says. And that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able... The Holy Scriptures, which are able, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Now that salvation there is talking more about, you know, moving holier in God's life with God. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then we all know this scripture, I think. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. All scripture... It's here for us. We have the answer before us. Why is that? That the man of God may be complete, may be mature, if you will, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we have all this, and it's our job to be fully equipped for the work of God. I want us to go uh, next to Psalm fifty-four. Sorry, I don't have all these marked, but it's in here. Fifty-four. And would you, um, would you go back to 34? <laughs> I can't read either. 34, 13. Sorry. 34, 13. You remember where David is when he's writing this? He's in that cave. He's got Saul coming after him for no reason and in the midst of all of that as he's reminding us down through there what God will do for us he says our job is to do what keep your tongue from evil Now I think some of you might have heard something about that once before it was here on Sunday night right keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit if you're in the midst of a battle if you're in the midst of a battle, don't speak in the flesh. Speak in God. If you're in the midst of a battle, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So that's where he was, and that, and that was what he was, he was looking at. And why is that important? Um, I probably don't need to have you turn there but if you haven't seen it lately you ought to let's go to 18 Proverbs 18 I know some of you saw it real recently like a week ago why is it important not to speak evil when you're in the midst of a battle because death and life are in the what the power of our tongue. You and I, as Christians, are giving, and, and I would say to you, you don't have to be a Christian to speak death, by the way, but that the power of life and death is, you know, is in our tongue, in the power of our tongue. And those who love it weed eat its fruit. Love what? Life or death. And it's always amazing to me how some people speak death and death and death. <laughs> and what do they eat? Death and death. Yep. Joshua 6.1. I think somebody even referred to this recently. I told the pastor last week I was going to have to apologize because I was using some of the scriptures I, I knew that he already had. I, I had down too. <clears throat> Chapter 6. They've just crossed the Jordan River. And you remember Joshua has been around with them for 40-some years. So he's seen, seen a lot of things. and Kind of like farmer's insurance, I guess. And he's seen a lot of things. And in the midst of all of that, they've just crossed the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is a pretty good-sized river, first of all. But when, when did God take them there to cross over it? During the flood stage. You need to go back and look at that. The water's all out over the banks, okay? You've been up north, northern part of town, see the Muskingum River? All right, we've got flood going on, right? Out, all out over the... <laughs> and what's God do? He says, I want you guys to cross here. And I want you to cross here how? On dry land. Yeah, right. How's that going to happen? By faith. And we could go back and read it. If you haven't read it lately, you might want to look at it. They've just done that. And in the process, it says the priest went first, carrying the ark, if you will, carrying the presence of God with them. And when their feet got in that flood water, what happened? God walled it up. And not only that. What else did he do? He dried it out. Now, if, if I want you know, if I go back to the Red Sea, <clears throat> it appears that there was a wind that helped dry it out. Here, the Word of God dried it out. He said, "I want you to go across there, and we're going to cross on dry land." That's just happened. So here they are. They're across. They put up a memorial to remember it. <laughs> All of them were circumcised that were males. At a certain age, they were all circumcised. And now, he says, I, I want you to, to go do something for me. Here we go. Verse 6. Now Jericho was securely shut up. They had saw what just had happened. And the enemy has a way of shutting up things and making them look worse than what they are. And so he's got Jericho all shut up nobody's coming in nobody's going out it says and the Lord said to Joshua see look Go look, at, look at it I have given Jericho into your hand now if you're if you know the spirit of God said that that's one thing but you better be sure it's him right and he, he says, I'm giving Jericho into your hand. So Josh said, oh, okay. And he said, I'm also giving their king and all the mighty men of valor. They've got a whole army inside there. Now, as I understand Jericho, it was basically the, the town meeting place. And when things got tough, all the people out in the country came in. So everybody's in town. Nobody's going in and out. Nobody's worried, worried about feeding the lambs or anything like that. Because they see these crazy Israelites walking across on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan River. And he said, so, I'm going to give the king, I'm going to give the mighty men of valor. And he says, here's, here's the game plan. When my son was coaching, one of the first things he always said, now this is the game plan for tonight. And when I go up to, t- to score, I would say, well, what's the game plan? he said well watch where you say this but this is what we plan to do So this, this is God's game plan you shall march around the city all you men of war you shall go all around the city once so here's God's people men of war prepared to go in and take a city and God says he wants them to do what I want you to go out and march I want you to march around the city Now, it wasn't just that they were to march around the city. He said, I want you to march around the city once today, and then what? Once tomorrow, and I want you to do that for seven or for six days. I want you to do that for six days. And there will be seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Okay? So, seven priests... You've seen the ram's horns, and some of them called them a trumpet, but they're blowing those, and they're going around to this city. Seven priests, the Ark of the Covenant, and then the men with their weapons behind them. And here's these people inside. And they go around the city, and they know what's going to happen that night. They're going to get in war, right? No. They went back to camp. Nobody did anything. And they did it another day. They did it six days. Now, Jim, if you're inside there, what are you thinking about this time? Hmm. These guys really are really strange. I knew those Christians were a mess. They're really strange. And they were. We're were peculiar, right? And it shall come to pass. Well, that's seven times and blow the trumpets and it shall come to pass, in verse 5 when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet now the seventh day they went around how many times? seven (laughs) so no real pattern here, right? God seems to be like that no real pattern so the seventh day they go around and, and then you remember what they used the trumpets for? back in earlier in the Old Testament they used those to bring in people and to start the war and so here they are he says and then when you make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout now we can live with that right and then he says, then the wall of the city is going to do what? Fall down flat. Now, some have told me that if you go to Jerusalem, the wall is level with the ground, and it just went straight down. It didn't fall in or out. Never been there, but I'll take their word for it. And so he said it's going to, the wall is going to fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man, so wherever you're... Are around this city, go up into the city. And, and your job is to take care of the people inside. Then Joshua, the son of man call, Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, let seven priests bear seven trumpets. So God's told him what to do, and he's getting ready to do that. And then he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Covenant of the Ark of the Lord's. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horn before the Lord advanced and blew trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests and blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the Ark while the priests continued blowing their trumpets. Now, that's what that... And, and, and the person who wrote this had an, had an afterthought. You know, I left, I left out a verse. Let's look at verse 10. Now Joshua had, so it's already happened before up here, had commanded the people saying, what? You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. Okay? Nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth. Until the day I say to you, shout, then, then, then you shall shout. Now, I can't find anybody who made a commentary on this. But God, it had to be God's help if we were quiet for seven days. We can't be quiet for seven minutes. But seven days, now it doesn't say that was only when they were marching around there. And I really, I got to thinking about this. I wonder if it wasn't for seven days that they didn't talk. They didn't say anything. Why not? Why wouldn't you say something? Why would God have Joshua say that? Anybody want to say anything? I think, I think he had read Proverbs. No, it wasn't there yet, but I think he knew what? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And 40-some years ago, they'd sent up 12 people to spy out the land, and what happened? When they got back, they murmured, they complained. they were sent up by God you know, for God's purpose but when they came back they didn't keep that purpose and they complained and we know what happened to them right God sent them out into the wilderness till they all died to death it took 40 years for all, all those people to die because they complained that basically everything there was too big the situation was too big the people were too big Fruit was too big. No, it didn't, didn't complain about fruit. Everything was too big. God can't handle it. And he didn't. Why didn't he? Because he said he couldn't. Life and death is where? In our tongue. Now, I was thinking about that, and as I was thinking about that, I, there was a note in Matthew 17. Let's go back there just a moment. Matthew 17. 17, 15. I'd like to get in contacts here. Um, I think we could start in 14. Remember there was a And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and he said, Lord, have mercy on on my son, for he is what? An epileptic, and he suffers severely, for he often falls in the fire and often to the water. So this, this this man has a mountain before him that he can't get taken care of. So I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Your disciples, they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast him out? This is is a key, to me, a real key verse, because of your unbelief. They evidently believed God could do it because they prayed, right? Or did they just pray? And and it's a challenge to us, I think, do we believe God's going to do what we're asking God to do? When Bruce anoints this person with oil, do we believe God's going to heal that person? And he says... Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I've thought a lot about a mustard seed, and we all know that they're very small, right? But any seed, if we take a seed, before it can become what it's intended to become, what, 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 what do we need to do? We need to plant it, right? And then it needs to have water and nutrition and heat. And then what happens to it? It totally changes, doesn't it? It totally changes into something that it wasn't. It was a seed, but now it's becoming a plant. And it'll take some time. But it'll become a plant. Now, thinking about that, um, let's uh, a seed when planted. The first thing that happens is its nature changes and it becomes a plant. Our faith in God is like a seed. We say and we plant it. And the action occurs. It takes, it takes on a new nature. It produces a result. Let's think about that a moment. And uh, let's go to Mark 11. Mark 11. I don't know where you guys were, Bruce, but I remember when this was a, a verse that we heard almost every Sunday. Um. Get the uh, wrong page. Um, he's talking to the rich young ruler. That's, that's the context we're in. And um, the ruler says he kept all these things that Jesus asked him to from youth, verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and he said, One thing you lack. Go your way, and whatever you have, give it to the poor. That's 10. And then, over in chapter 11, (laughs) sorry, uh, um, it was the withered, the the fig tree that I want to talk about, verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw that this fig tree that Jesus had cursed the day before was dried up, and dried up from the roots, and Peter Remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Now, a mountain can be anything. We're not necessarily talking about Mount Everest. We're talking about something in our life. If we say to it, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and we don't doubt in our heart, but believe that the things... He says, "Will will be done. We will have whatever he says." And I want to say to you, as we think about faith, I was um, I was challenged to go back to um, Romans and and Romans twelve. It says, "God says that we have all have a measure of faith." Okay, when we become Christians, we have a measure of faith. And second, God says that this faith comes by what? By hearing. And so it, it's increased. It, it, it grows by us hearing the word of God, which we all do. So we're, we're all in that so far. And third, God says that to apply our faith we need to say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. And nothing is impossible with God. And I, I would just caution what needs to be something for God's glory. But, I, but you know, as we think about this, when, when we pray for somebody, if we speak the Word of God, we're using that seed, right? And when we speak the Word of God, God takes that seed. And, when, like, if I, if I put a pea in the ground to grow peas, what do I do? I just put the pea in the ground, right? I just put the seed in the ground, What causes it to grow? Well, we know naturally there are things, but it's something that God's put in there, isn't it, that makes it grow. And I think it's the same way with our faith. We we need to see that when we, as God's people, say that there are going to be things that happen that we never experienced before, and yet at the same time, it says we'll have what we say. We just need to make sure that what we're saying is where? It's in the word. Make sure that it's part of what God says. I'm, I'm sure a full gospel church, we don't have any problem with healing and those kind of things. So, you know, thinking about that, and <laughs> back years ago, there was a teaching that came out that, well, we'll have what we say, and we just say it and say it and say it. Remember that? Just confess it over and over and over. Is that what he's talking about? I don't think it's what he's talking about. He's saying when we plant that seed, when we pray the prayer of faith, what's going to happen? We're trusting God's going to make a change. It's not something we do. We know it's beyond us. He's going to make a change. And I want to say to you, there were those who said, now all all you're doing, there really wasn't a healing. All you're doing is your, it's a mind science. It's a humanistic mind science. No, it's not. God can heal us. He can take And he can make that which is diseased in us whole. He can do that. So it's a a release of God's creative word of promise. We just need to make sure that we have the promise of God and have it right and we can speak and God is the one who will make it happen. Not our job. So thinking about that and thinking about Joshua, Joshua's instruction may well have been prompted, as we mentioned earlier, by this 40 years he just spent in, in, out in the wilderness. And because of that murmuring and that complaining that they did, and later they said, well, okay, all right, all right, if we're going to have to go out there 40 years, let's go up and take it. And God said, what? You'll go by yourself. I'm not going with you. And some of them wanted to do it anyway, didn't they? God help us if we think we're going to do it ourselves. It really has nothing to do with us when we pray except us doing what? Planting the seed of promise. That's all it has for us to do. And plant it how? In belief. Believe that we'll have it. And if it's a promise of God, God will take over from there. So Joshua's command to keep silence is a precaution to us. When facing our great challenges, our mountains, if you will, do not permit your lips to speak words of unbelief. I I don't have any particular situation in mind, but we were down here praying one time, and we were praying very specifically for a situation that I felt in my heart God was going to take care of, And by the time I get in the hallway, people are asking that person all of the natural symptoms, all of the natural things that are going on, and I'm thinking, whoa, where where was my belief that this was all going to change? And and I would just say to you, you challenge yourself. Do you really believe when you come down here and agree with somebody, it's going to happen? If you don't, we'd be better off to be where? Back in the seat, wouldn't we, Bruce? It's great to come down to agree because if any two can agree, but we need to be people who agree God's promise. And if we're not, maybe you just want to come down and don't say anything. Maybe you don't want to talk to them later. Why? Death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue we're coming to a time in America where you and I are going to be planting seeds that not everybody's going to like but God may have us plant seeds so that other people can see that he's God be ready let me take you one one more thought death and life and the power of the tongue and Matthew 12 34 says out of the abundance of what? The heart, the mouth speaks. And if the mouth speaking unbelief, what's that tell you? You need to get together with God. I need to get together with God. If I really think this isn't going to happen, okay, I'll pray for you, but I don't really think it'll happen. And I may not say that. There have been a time or two where I excused myself because I had a difficult time because my head was saying... I know this situation, I know this what's going on here, and, and my unbelief is overcoming my belief. Until I get myself right, I'm not going to pray for you. Now, we live in a world where we can't help what we see and what we hear, but our refusal, refusal to speak doubt and fear will keep our hearts more inclined to God and what God can do. We can, if, if we're going to be led by the Spirit, we'll see things, we'll know things. But if we're led by the Spirit, He's going He's to take us out on the water. We're going to be out where we've never been before. So it's, it's not what we see. It's not the flesh, the carnal, earthly things that count but it's us knowing the Word of God, knowing what the promise says, and then acting on that promise. I'd like to have a discussion right now. We don't have time. If you don't remember anything else, remember Bruce's comments of what we read last week that life and death are what? In the power of your tongue. Be careful what? you say sometimes you can't keep thoughts from coming to you but you can cast them down vain imaginations you can cast those from you you, you have that power and that is part of spiritual warfare so you can do that but don't express them don't express them let's stand Well, I wrestled with this quite a while and I'm trusting that God took that part that you need and and has planted it in the fertile soil your heart is, was prayed tonight. I believe he has. I'm just trusting that you will know what God wants you to do. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word and we may not all understand all that it says we may not understand all that's there but we know there's promises there and we as a full gospel church believe those promises we believe your word Father help us help us as your people to trust you and in every situation that we face know that there's an answer in the word there's an answer for what you have before us and we, we, our job is to plant the promise, plant the word, plant the seed. And you're the one who's going to cause it to grow. And I give you thanks tonight, Lord God, for, you, for this people. And I, I just, I, I, I really believe you're challenging us, Lord. This, this is not a rebuke, it's a challenge. I, I believe you're wanting us to be people, people who move out into this world and plant. Beyond anything that we've ever planted before. So, Father, this night, we want to take just a few moments and take that which you've laid on each of our hearts, Lord God, and, and talk to you about it and allow you, Lord God, to be the one who makes us become the people you want us to be. We thank you, Father, that we want to be led by your Spirit. We don't want to be those whose flesh leads them. Because you said that leads us to death. The Spirit leads us to life. And we thank you in Christ's name. Booth, if you have a song to play, please. Let's take just a few minutes. You can come down front if you'd like. There at your seat. Just ask God to help you.